We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lucky Podcast, Anora Boys in the building. Back at it, brought to you by Anora Whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. That premium American whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure that you do so responsibly. You got to do it responsibly. Cam McDaniel is going to join us probably about five minutes, man. We're going to get into this Lauren Landau. Higher. And why Cam McDaniel is super excited. Super excited. It's a lot of things to talk about. Change is coming in the strength and conditioning room at Notre Dame in a lot of different ways. And so with that being said, you know, we're really going to break down what change is going to mean for the Notre Dame football program. Brought to you by Nora Whiskey, like we said. We reside at CFB Nation. And we are presented by Twisted Yes. I don't know. That was that was subpar. That was subpar. You know, it's getting close to the weekend, so you know, people are getting close to the end of the end of the road for it, but we're gonna we're gonna spruce it up. We're gonna try one more time. Man, I enjoyed myself last night, dude. We had a great show to end up the recruiting for the 2024 class. We're going to talk about Marcus Freeman and what he had to say about the class a little bit. But, left, I'm really, uh, you know, last night I took an old school drive through the city with Baby Girl. Memory Lane? Yeah, bro. She put it on her IG story. You know, we drove through the South Side, the old neighborhood, uh, the Roseman community. Stopped at Old Fashioned Donut, which is pretty much a world famous donut shop. Every time people come to Chicago, they venture to the South Side. Real ones, no. Real ones don't do that Krispy Kreme stuff. Real ones, no. You come to Chicago, you come to Old Fashioned Donut. And I got there too late because they were sold out of just about everything. They didn't have any no Krispy Kreme, no? No, Krispy Kreme is trash, bro. In comparison, it's trash. 
It's all sugar, dog. Well, I mean, donuts are sugar anyway, but no, old-fashioned donut. If you taste an old-fashioned donut glazed donut and a Krispy Kreme, you would literally laugh at the Krispy Kreme donut. The difference is that distinctive. But, man, it was just really cool to take that drive, man, listen to music, chop it up, stop old-fashioned donut. I got me two glazed croissants. Amazing. Amazing. A double chocolate cake donut. Man, we kept driving. Kept driving. The only thing I was mad about is that I didn't have hot chocolate in the car at the time to really make it dope. See, Mario Dunlap, he knows. This is how good old-fashioned donut is. I would take the bus to school. I would get off the bus, hit the school, run in, get three glazed donuts. At the time, they were 29 cents a piece. So this is showing you how great it was as a kid. One dollar would give me three donuts and a milk at the time. I would jump back on the bus with the same transfer. Chicago people know what I'm talking about. Make it to school and have breakfast. Now, is the let's see, are the cake donut? Say it again. I was saying, which one is the true original? Is it the cake donut or is it the glazed donut? You know what? I have to do research. I would venture to say the cake donut probably is like the original. And then the glaze type that is more airy in texture. I don't know, Left. I'm going to have to do that research. Not to, not to research that one. <laughs> yeah, my, mo my mother is the one that got us hooked at kid, as kids because she would get an assorted dozen from there. Yeah, that's when don donut assortments was fun. Now everybody likes 12 of the same kind. You got specialized donuts. My favorite shop is called Bill's Donuts out there in Kettering, Ohio. They got the, the, the donut called the applesauce donut. Change your mm. life. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... 
Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. The applesauce donut. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people. Yeah, I've seen a lot of restaurants doing a lot of apple uh, variations of desserts, whether it's apple butter cookies and different types of desserts built around apple. So, look, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, like you know, the, the apple is always essential when you're in the the, the dessert family the dessert dynasty if you would say mm. so it's a it's a it's a base ingredient Lilo Galante is down the ATL he says sublime donuts is the spot down there Garland Doxy says long johns are the best of the twisted glaze joints but you know it's also dope that you got to go down all the traditional places that you did with your, your baby girl yeah it really was you know what I'm saying and this time she was in the front seat. Back in the day, she was always rocking in the back seat, even from the time she was in a car seat. And uh, it was kind of nostalgic for her as well. It was nostalgic for her as well. Uh, look, our guy Jay says from Indy and Long's Bakery uh, is the spot. Mike Epps goes there a lot. Mike Epps is from the Nap. What's the. Uh, What's that famous spot that we've seen in movies? Randy's Donuts out there in L.A., right? Is that it? Yeah, Randy's, you know, people still populate that place pretty good. They got some good donuts there. Not my favorite place to go for donuts. They have, you know, they have so many donut places out here. But uh, my favorite right now so far in terms of individual donuts is the Red Velvet Donut. Mm. I've never had a red velvet donut. I have red velvet cake, of course, red velvet cookie. I've locked into that. But the thing about a red velvet donut is that, or just red velvet in general, is that it's actually chocolate, right? Or am I getting that wrong? Yeah, you're right. But it, but it's, is it a mind trick? Like a mind playing tricks on me where it doesn't taste like a chocolate donut. I always feel like it has that red velvet flavor <laughs> it's kind of like a, a strawberry chocolate blend of sorts d rock iver says we have abby's donuts in our city homemade loaded with cream jelly etc chocolate so yeah it's amazing that everybody's talking about their favorite pastry spots man because you're, you're hitting those spots up right now during the holidays have you tried the uh, the hot chocolate bombs? You know, it's like a big chocolate ball that you just drop into some warm milk. And it's loaded with like marshmallows, you know, sprinkles, caramel sometimes and other things. They're pretty dope. If you don't just want to make normal hot chocolate using hot chocolate packs. It makes for a very interesting and kind of a... Uh, it's like eating a box of chocolates, a sorted box of chocolates, and you don't know what's on the inside of each one. 
So it's kind of exciting when you're doing hot chocolate. If you don't have those, man, try to find some in your local area, man, and bring it home, especially for this weekend. Then we came home, left, and we watched a nice little Christmas movie together. Wasn't the best movie, had some funny moments, but yo, just being able to spend time. Um, it was dope. So we're waiting for Cam McDaniel. Uh, he just had a, Cam has a bunch of kids, man. <laughs> he just hit me and said, uh, I'm sorry, guys, man. I got a family emergency he's just trying to deal with. So he's yeah, dealing so with, I'm, I'm right here with you. Yeah, he's dealing with that family emergency. So we're going to let him do that. And I'm going to call an audible as true lefties do. See, this is what you do. You set it's up. It's what for you the do. Audible. That's why you subscribe. That's why you tune in every day. I had it ready, left. I had it ready. <laughs> That's I had it right. Ready, I had it ready. So we're just gonna go until he comes on. We're gonna have an audible, and we're gonna hear from uh, Jack Kaiser on why he decided to come back to Notre Dame. Left. A lot of things that you know were on the mind and just deciding whether to stay or to go. Um, but ultimately, I feel like there was some some unfinished business here for me, some things I could you know finish and, and go out the right way and that I want to do. So uh, I think ultimately that that's what kept me here. What are what are some of those unfinished things for you, and, and how does this bowl game factor into what what that might be? Yeah, I like defensively. I think I can still play better ball. Um, realistically, I think there's a lot left for me. Um, I think I've continued every year to get better and better, and I think next year will be just the same. I'm um, just gotta continue to put the work in and, and uh, become a better football player. Um, and then, you know, I want to do something special with this Notre Dame football program, right? Um, we've been doing New Year's Six in my time here. Been to two, um, but we haven't won one. And, and like, I want to have a chance to to win a championship. You know, I'm not gonna be shy. You know, and not say that like that's the ultimate goal um and so you know with those two things like there's a lot of motivation to come back and and uh, work hard for it i like well, the guys that. that are in the same place as a, as a very veteran and seasoned guy your whole battle that year coming back is to not be a liability just mm -hmm. don't be in the way where we got to be like man get this old man off the field i do think that he has a lot of football he to play to play better but you know year three in anybody's system especially one like Al Golden's I feel like he can benefit from just don't become the liability that we wish freshmen would play in your spot right you know what that's funny but I think I think a lot of people feel that way I think a lot of people feel that way left you know there is so much expectation amongst fan bases you come out of National Signing Day, you're super excited about the kids in class, and you want to see the product on the field as soon as possible. I actually heard Nick Saban talk about this. Nick Saban was like, yo, and I want your thoughts on this. Nick Saban was like, dude, I've never had an NFL exec call me and say, yo, did he play as a freshman? He said, because they don't care whether or not you played as a freshman. They want to know how you got better during your time. He said, I've never had an NFL exec around draft time call me and say, yo, did that kid play as a freshman? So he was like, playing as a freshman in terms of your full development, getting to getting you where you need to go, really has little value. He said, but all of these kids expect to come in and play as a freshman, not understanding what it takes to get on the field at a place like Alabama. I was like, 
Yeah. Okay, Coach. Surprising. I was like, I understand what you're saying. What you're saying. I mean, speaking from the point of view of Alabama, I'm like, okay. Right, right. He has to be speaking from the point of view of Alabama. Because, come on, I mean, if you got, like, Dylan Rayola doesn't think like that. And Dylan Rayola, the number one quarterback going to Nebraska. So, Nebraska doesn't think like that. Nebraska wish they could play him yesterday. In terms of expectations, in my opinion. So, yeah, I don't know. I think back in 2012 when Alabama was whooping everybody, yeah, nobody was asking that question because you had senior Eddie Lacy, senior, you know, Amari Cooper, senior, you know, the offensive linemen that were just amazing, right? So, I think that freshmen mattered to a certain extent from optics. Yeah. And these freshmen coming in understand a bigger brand value than they would have as a red shirt junior who hasn't played yet. So there's a lot of leverage in being a freshman. And so these guys these days, especially top guys, just want to do it the right way. Yeah. So I'm going to play something else. Nick Saban was in his bag yesterday, bro. And we're going to bring up something that I really want the input of Notre Dame fans on this. Because I think I already know where you're going to go with what he said. But we're going to get back to some more from these Notre Dame players, man, because there were some interesting things said in their time with the media. And, yo, Steve Angeli, this is what he talked about when he met with the media. Great opportunity. Um, you know, just preparing the best way I can, getting these guys ready to go, and looking forward to getting down to El Paso. What does it mean to you to be representing this program in the moment? It means everything. You know, with Coach Free, what he's saying, you know, we're on a mission to get 10 wins and win the Sun Bowl. You know, that's all that's on my mind is get a win and represent this university in the right way. How's practice felt lately? It's been good. You know, a lot of new faces, a lot of new guys in positions, but, you know, it feels like we haven't skipped a beat, you know. Obviously, change is going to happen everywhere you go, and you got to be prepared. Just keep moving. Coach Reed's been talking about right foot, left foot. Things are going to happen. You just got to keep going, put one foot in front of the other. Steve, you got a, uh, what's the confidence level, man? You got new offensive line up there now, as opposed to what it was when you stepped in those 12 games. You got sound, but what's the confidence level with, with those guys and a new OC right now? For yeah, I'm fully confident in everyone that's around me, you know, with Gino and the new guys in the O line. They've been doing a great job throughout bowl prep, and you know I'm excited to see when it's live. Steve, you obviously work with Gino every day, right? Is it is it comforting to you that he's going to be the one designing this offense since you guys know each other so well? Yeah, it definitely gives me a feel of comfort. Like you said, I spend every day with him, and you know as you know, I'm literally in his office 24/7 throughout uh, throughout the week. So it definitely does give me some comfort to know that he'll be up there calling it, putting me in a position to succeed. Is that an advantage for him going to this Sun Bowl? We've talked about his improvement with the work with Gino Gadulli. He talks about being in the film room with Coach Gadulli every day during the season. And now he's going to be calling plays. There should be some type of symmetry between them where they know what's expected from each other and what Gino might be looking for. And then Steve can go out there and execute it. Oh, man. Did we lose left? Oh, I'm sorry. I was on no. mute. Uh, but uh, 
I think it would be rough the first maybe two, maybe two and a half quarters just because this is his first game full-time going in there, getting adjusted, and, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more nerves. But I'd like to think a lot back to the time in which I came into a situation and starting a ball game, not with too many new faces necessarily, but the the anticipation of starting in your first game. Um, we went against number one defense in the SEC, so that was a little different. But Oregon State's team is very stout. And they're going and they're going to fight with you. And I think for Steve, like he said, it's an opportunity, but more like a job interview. Uh, he already said that can't really worry about things that's happening around him, which he can't. Uh, but having some synergy with Gino Gadulli all year, we get to see if you guys actually got some energy, got some synergy. Have you guys actually developed? I mean, you had enough time to talk. Uh, you being in his office all the time, are you cleaning his his, his whiteboards, or are you are you talking football? You know, y'all watching tape, or are you or are you just in there getting papers stapled for him? So, I do think that uh, we'll see what happens, but I don't have the the bar at you know um, some ultimate level, and, and 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 that's just to be fair to both guys. You know, Geno stepping into this. Uh, position at Notre Dame for the first time, calling plays. I don't know how much involvement he had with Jared Parker through the season uh, in the games in, in terms of a I didn't see him with a headset towards the end of the year too much. But, you know, it's not saying he's not affecting anything. But to go in there and call plays in this setting uh, is pressure but no pressure. So uh, for Steve, you know, this is – it is what it is. You know, next year is – it's going to be hard to to beat out a guy they're paying, but it's really going to be hard if you play bad in this game. So uh, the, the sky's the limit for a kid that, you know, your opportunity may not always come perfect, but when it does, you got to make the most out of it. Yeah, when you look at this quarterback room, it's almost like C.J. Carr is the team heartthrob, right? You know, the yeah, number, right. you know, the girls have his poster up in the room and everybody's screaming. They want to see him play. Kenny Minchie's kind of like the Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Super talented. Everybody respects him. It's you know, respect, but, but he, he, just, he, he ain't mainstream yet. Right, right. And then, you know, you have Steve Angeli that's like, man, you know, I, it's almost like he's the underdog people's champ. He's like Jack Harlow, you know, mm. been around for a couple of years. They, they see him in, in some big places here and there, but is he really going to come out the right way? Is he going to come in and produce? So I think uh, it's the anticipation for CJ, you dead on. I think that's something that people feel pretty comfortable with him coming in as a freshman and and if he was to fall into place somewhere they would feel all right you know they wouldn't feel at unease or didn't know what to expect and then i think uh Menchie's in the perfect opportunity to really go in there and do his thing honestly you know he has everything in front of him from a year's perspective and all the the teachable guys he can coach as he's going along his journey behind him so that's the best spot to be in in the room but for talent-wise, I think it's Daddy, it'll play out how it's Daddy. supposed to. He'll answer him, man. You could have answered him during the show. He said, Daddy, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just let him know. I'm doing the show, left. 
That's, that's, I, was, that's, I, had, that's I was saying I had to, <laughs> I had to finish the thought. I had to finish the thought real quick. <laughs> I was about to lose the thought of it. The left, like, yo, what you doing? You're not giving me my shine. Let me talk Notre Dame football right here. Let me That's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Lucky Lefty Podcast, man. Look, someone had an interesting comment. and I want you to, where do you feel like, if you were an OC at Notre Dame, where would you be at left? Would you be in the booth or would you be on the field? Is Will indeed. He said, will Gino be in the booth or still on the field? I'm sure the coaches meet. I think the coaches meet with the media tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. He he probably gonna put him in the on the in the booth, right? Because that's where Tommy and Jared <laughs> both go. Yeah, Tommy but and Jared. If Parker I was were him, I would want to be on the field if I was him. But from an organization, it probably in the booth. Now he's been on the field most of the year with the quarterbacks. Yeah, as a quarterback coach, you want to be on the field. To try to, you know, talk to him in person. You've been, you're at practice with him in person. You around him, so you could add a little bit more or less when you're in coming off directly off the field and things you see and like in the pre-snap, you might be able to yell. He looks over. You can, you know, there's certain things you can do. Obviously, on field in person, and yeah. I think he can, he can feel more at ease. Steve can feel more at ease with him being on the field than taking a phone call after every drive. It can kind of add some anxiety because, say, you throw a pick and you go on the sideline and everybody looking at you on the phone. It's like, yeah, get your ass on that phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the doc? That's what everybody said. <laughs> yeah, you better be. But if you on the phone, you know how you like the phones ring? It's like, dude, yeah, that's you, for you. That's for you. Yeah, that's, that's for, for you. you. Yeah, oh, for sure. They be like, they looking for you. They looking for you. They looking. They, they look. They coach will talk to you. You know, one of them things. But on the field, it's like you can. It feels a little bit better. Other quarterbacks sit next to you. You know, he's in front of y'all. Y'all huddling. It looks like an NBA timeout. Right. You know, it's a little more shrouded. Whatever. But that them phone calls get lonely because you know ain't nobody else hearing what they saying, so nobody's standing around you. You know, <laughs> so, you, so hey. you get sent to the principal's office or something. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Hey, speaking of, you know, I, it's only right that I bring it up uh, since you mentioned the NBA. You want you want to talk about that beatdown your boy took in Chicago last night? Huh? You want to talk about that beatdown your boy Bron took last night? 
we over the surprising losses because huh? they, they lost to the Spurs. So it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Wait you know, a minute, hold on. Because I got more. You, I got <laughs> more. <laughs> on a winning streak, beat Philly, went to Philly, beat Philly, went to Miami, beat Miami, and spanked the Lakers at the crib because Zach Levine is not playing. <laughs> I, that's what, so the Lakers, if the Lakers want him, you can come get him. Matter of fact, you can take him on the private jet back with you. Oh my goodness, he gonna come. Addition by subtraction is happening right in front of us in Chicago. There's three games. Three get games. That trash, really? Get that trash dude out of here. Three games, really? All, all I'm talking about is the game last night. Did you see your boy? <laughs> did you see your boy get smacked last night? Hey man. He's gonna saying. be the next one in Chicago with a statue. So that's right. If 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 y'all can hang lame <laughs> banners for in season tournaments, then wait a minute, can, don't oh, we can, we can we get happy about three to four wins. Hold on, I you hear what I'm saying? I know we're not gonna do that. I'm just saying. How how you gonna hate if on y'all want to hang banners for meaningless championships? Then we can how talk you gonna about call winning streaks. <laughs> how you gonna call? It meaningless when it's the first one to be won. The first one can't be meaningless. No, no one cares about that championship. Oh. <laughs> what are we see, talking about? See, you not you not you not seeing you hear Jack pictures. Kaiser? Did you hear Jack Kaiser say why he came back to Notre Dame? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you, did you hear Jack Kaiser say why he came back to Notre Dame? So your boy, he can't win any more real championships. So now he's trying to supplement it with in-season championships for his resume. Who uh, didn't like, dude? Hang it we'll back. The Lakers is going to be like, oh, the in-season is important. And they're going to be like, who's the first team to ever win it? So if Notre Dame, if Notre Dame won the half-season championship, <laughs> you would be happy about that. If they had a championship. Who was number one in the nation halfway through the season? You would love for Notre Dame to hang that banner. Wait a minute. It's it's the Talk first about one it. ever. It's the first what? one ever. If it was the first one ever, you would you would be hype about that. That's right. It's the first one. Man, nobody else got it. Playing. You need to stop. The Lakers can say nobody else got an in-season tournament championship. Nobody. Nobody in history other than us got it. I mean, that's pretty special. You know who you sound like? You sound like that dude back in the day, you know, when music wasn't streaming before Napster and all of that stuff and MP3s. You sound like the dude that had the first EPMD tape on the block and nobody <laughs> had. Yo, I got that new fire, dude. And you driving down the street in your car, getting love from the ladies because, you know, they're like, what's that? He got some sounds. His, his trunk is rattling. You. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, look, <laughs> 10 years down the road when the in-season tournament gets figured out and they put some more value behind it, LeBron James going to be in the history books once again. Dude, they, the money they get is value. What much more value do they need? Well, value in terms of the team value to the to the season. Man. Like on. maybe be the first playoff spot secured. No, I, now maybe if they say you, you're top four at, at worst. Okay, yeah. Which oh, means which means you get a first round home playoff. 
Or yeah, you know absolutely. Because right now, I think the Lakers, the Lakers will be on the road to start the playoffs right now as the champion. Well, they, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool. But then, so so it, you know, it'll matter eventually. Right now, it, it may seem meaningless mm-hmm. outside the money. But Adam Silver's a smart man. He gonna, he got the ratings up with that in-season tournament too, though. So it might mean something. Hey, Deion Sanders told you a long time ago, it must be the money. That, that is the only reason players are locked in to this darn in-season tournament, bro. <laughs> but, it seems, but it's funny because the only people that, that they wrote an article about it really benefiting and changing their life is the, the three rookie players that just walked on. They're only making like a couple hundred thousand in the season. Yeah. Where you know I didn't see it where AD was like yeah I need this little chunk of, chunk of change like yeah <laughs> so Jeff Flute in response to what we're talking about says I think talking about Gino Gadulli I think he should stay on the field now as a play caller it's difficult to play chess is it difficult to play chess on the field as a play caller but don't you need to see uh, well it I mean I take that back because. Lincoln Riley is on the field as a play caller. Right. You know, he's not up in the booth. So I guess it's a, a level of comfort. It's definitely preference. And then it also about how y'all do communication as a staff. Um, you know, sometimes being in the booth, you can do see things in different ways. You can direct other coaches to go talk to players or where certain things are that you're scouting for. Because either way, the people in the booth, whether you're on the field or not, are relaying information of what they're seeing from an overview standpoint. So it gives you some ideas of things to call this and that in terms of a predictive guesstimation sort of thing. But I always used to feel as if being in the booth just made you a little lazier because you're just sitting down all day. Being in the game, you really you, you feel more hands-on. And like I said, the, the connection that you have with a player already and then to be in person is a little different than calling them on the phone or showing up at halftime with a bunch of things to work on. Yeah. Ryan Loftus, Lincoln Riley is a play caller. Like, he calls the play. What's your boy out there that uh, was the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury? Cliff Kingsbury is not calling play. He cannot put that on his resume. Right? That's why Luke <laughs> is so trash. Because he didn't call plays when he was up there in Green Bay. Matt LaFleur calls plays as the head coach. Calls plays. Yeah, right. so, and I think a lot of people have questions about Kirby Moore, you know, at Missouri. And whether or not Coach Drinkowitz is the one calling plays for Missouri, you know. So, I like like Malik said, it's, it's comfort. You can do it from both areas. I think most guys, if they work their way up through the high school ranks, you know, most high school offensive coordinators call plays from the sideline, right? Because the booth in high school, the communication is not the same. And then you get to college and you have an opportunity to go up to the booth because of the communication upgrade. But it really is about comfort and where Gino Gadulli would be. I'm looking forward to hearing because I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to ask him the question. I'm sure yeah, I just want to know his... You know, what's he? What's his strategy? Or what? What's his foundation look like? I mean, you don't have other people in the room that's leaning on you. Like, man, let's stick to what we've been doing necessarily. Just because Jerry Parker's not there, 
So in terms of the backbone of who's sticking up for what we used to do, I don't really see that being a a stickler in game plan for this one game this season. So for Gino, having a plan of attack, man, and knowing your strengths, especially losing the guys you're losing, is hitting the Jared Parker offense of guys that you have available. Uh, especially from your main guys from an Aldrich and Sam standpoint, Aldrich, Sam, Joe Alton, Blake Fisher standpoint. Matter of fact, but uh, you got to get creative and, and really have fun with it. Honestly, I mean, you know, it's not necessarily the um, college football playoffs. Um, it's not necessarily. Uh, I think it's a. You can say it's a lock that he's probably not coaching this game like how Mike Elston was coaching the Fiesta Bowl to try to get the defensive coordinator spot. You know what I mean? I don't think it's the same type of emphasis behind it. So I do think just focus on having fun and trying to get the ball to your best players. Jeremiah Love, Jadarian Price. I'm looking at them like, you know, we working together for real, for real. And then for Steve Angeli, finding ways to get him some shots getting some some maybe some early throws to settling down things that he can check into things that he just can really have fun with because uh knowing that the run game was always important not quite of what's not quite as known as what the effect of not having two first round or potential two drafted tackles look like but the run game should be efficient enough for uh, Steve and Joe to go out there and operate. But you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to force Steve to do nothing he's not good at. This is a third-string defense with a couple of straggling starters from the season at Oregon State that we're going against. So if anything, this is Steve's level of competition. It's not like Oklahoma State, number one defense in the Big 12 or, or anything like that. This is just a a well-coached football team, but they're they're backups. So it's the talent level should be Steve that adaptable to where he can go in and do some things. I think nerves and just not having enough reps just yet is why I think it's the first second maybe a little slow. But because of I do think that we're more talented and Steve's more veteran, he'll find a way to make some plays in the second half and when is the football game lucky lefty podcast talking about the sun bowl we were scheduled to have cam mcdaniel on and he had a family emergency so he's still trying to come on trying to get that settled we'll let you know whether or not he needs to reschedule and possibly have a a show in prime time tonight We'll check it out and see what works with the schedule, but we'll have him on to talk about the hiring of strength and conditioning coach Lauren Landau at some point within the next 24 hours for you guys. Um, He's still efforting to try to make the show. But, of course, we were all prepared and set. That's what I do as a producer left. And uh, we're going to save Marcus Freeman for the second half of the show alone, but you get to the bad questions, put GTV and line them up we see some super chats so we we appreciate that's right all the support that's right that's right i want to bring this up left 
it is let me make sure I got the right one and why I find that the inconsistency that should exist in this game what's your expectation because you talked about it I'll open the door well, Steve, you expect Steve Angeli to be Steve Angeli, but you expect it to take some time for him to really get into a groove. Well, how does that look as far as offensive production, as far as your expectations? Well, I just hope Steve doesn't isn't like 15 for 18 with 82 yards and, you know, 82 yards in a pick. You know, you just don't want him to be nickel and diamond to run in place. You want him to be able to nickel and dime to start a drive or to to get us out of a hole or be a manageable downs or even, you know, the opportunities to score when we got the defense off balance. So finding ways for Steve to maybe catch two or three in rhythm to gear him up for a big throw a couple of plays later in the drive or something. I think uh, what can help him get more comfortable is playing off of turnovers. Our defense obviously being a top 10 defense, not losing too much this year, but being able to create turnovers and putting Steve in the short field, he can get his confidence going, knowing that he's getting the ball back, you know, and having more opportunities. So uh, for me, I think establishing – well, first – Letting him run. I think he needs to get hit a couple times or settle into the pocket. I think whenever you go in as a a fresh a fresh guy, not too um not too many reps in a in a game like situation that he's going into, I will run him the first couple plays. Let him get banged around mm. so he can settle in the pocket. He can kinda of get his eyes adjusted and everything. And then work the run game into some quick game and then the quick game into some play action. And you were really excited to hear this from DJ Brown when he talked about Steve Angeli and bowl practices. Times, man. I mean, I told him that I think it was like probably two practices ago, he threw like a deep post um, to phase on. Steve's been doing a great job. Um, you know, he looks really relaxed, looks comfortable back there. Um, and I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see what he does. So you were excited about the fact that he was talking about the deep ball in relation to Steve Angeli throwing dimes in practice. You're encouraged by that, right? Yeah, I definitely just was impressed just from the fact that that was the first thing he mentioned was throwing it deep. And when he mentioned throwing it deep being the first thing, that must have been something that stuck out to him or something that we're looking to go to all early and often, or he's even found his deep threat guy that they're building some connection with that we can expect in this bowl game. So because he mentioned it first, he got me excited, but then it also shows that his, his confidence is there to be able to continuously do it in practice and getting better at it in practice. You only need a couple looks in the game to to let it go. And, and, and I think that Steve is putting himself in all the things he needs to to Play for just this game, you know. You have nothing to lose, everything to gain. And the best thing you can do is be as comfortable and relaxed as possible. I know one thing. Jordan Faison has been lighting the first-team defense up a lot. 
<laughs> based upon reports, they still lighting them up on post routes. And DJ Brown was probably the one that got beat. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> He's been caught on a couple. <laughs> but that's good to hear, man. It's good to hear Lucky Lefty podcast. Here left. This is uh you know what? When we come back, we'll get into a hot button topic. I already know this topic is going to be split down the middle when it comes to Notre Dame fans because you have traditional Notre Dame fans and you have fans that want Notre Dame to kind of step into the future when it comes to the football program. So we'll get into it. And then we'll hear from Marcus Freeman and his thoughts on his 2024 class right here. Hoping that Cam McDaniel can still join us. If not, we'll get him on within the next 24 hours to talk Lauren Landau with you guys. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different.